Amen. Amen. If you would turn your Bibles to the book of Luke this afternoon. Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 8. Jesus was speaking to a group of people. And he wanted to get a point across. A point that we desperately need to understand even today. So we're going to start at Luke chapter 8. And begin at verse 4. He said, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. Let's stop there. So this was a group of people from different places. Okay? So different places, different understandings. They, had, uh, they came from different environments. And so the Lord would say, let me, I see who I have. I'm going to speak in a parable. Now let's see what this parable was all about. What is a parable anyway? It's, it, 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 it's Christ's parables were always given to, to, to explain the spiritual word by using some phys- physical realities, things that you could put your hands on, things that you might be able to understand. Um, so let's go to verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And when others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Right? So we knew he wasn't, that you might have had a few deaf people in the the audience. But everybody had ears. So we know he wasn't saying, those who have ears, hear. He was talking about something else. Those who had a sincere desire to understand. Those who desire was to know uh, uh, for the, for the sole purpose of understanding God more. See, that motive is so critical as it relates to this word. See, we, 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 we get surrounded by this word. We go after this word, but our motives are wrong. And he was trying to explain that to somebody. Because the disciples, even his disciples, didn't understand the parable. Because it was talking about a spiritual reality using physical uh, instruments. But see... When, when he explained the parable to the disciples, he introduced what the key element was. That's why when he talked to people, people didn't understand what he said. He said, there's an element that has to be present in order for you to get this word. Okay? So let's, let's go down to verse 9, if we would. And the disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? Now, were the disciples around the living word? Did they walk with him? Did they see all the miracles? But they still didn't know. Okay? So, we know one thing. We can eliminate your, your, uh, your proximity to the word will not get you that word. Amen? It helps, but it ain't, it, you got to have something else. So let's keep reading. And the disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others it's parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. Then he broke it down. He said the seed is what? The word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, 
Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The devil did not want that seed to take root in the heart. He said, so he, he, he got it. You know, he, he, he took it away so they would not be saved. Then, verse 13 reads, Then on they, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, what happens? If you would, when you read this parable, you should see this parable in your experiences. In our personal experience, we were each one of these entities. You know, you, you remember when you heard something and it just excited you about God. And man, you sprung up and you were just a light. And then you just kind of faded away. Let's keep reading. It said, And they which fell among thorns are they which when they heard, heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection, but that on the good ground are they. Now this is what we want to be, the good ground. And he, he described the good ground thusly. He said, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good what? Having heard the word, Keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. See, the keeping of God's word depends on the condition of the heart. It is all about the heart. Now, we know we're not talking about the physical. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. The heart and the mind are synonymous. It's all about the heart. He said the good ground people took the word in their heart, and they started to perform the word. One thing about God's word is like it's like a muscle. You got to keep using it. And when you keep using it, it gets bigger and it gets stronger and then faith begins to grow. But if you have the word of God and you don't put it into action, it's just going to fall on stony ground and it's not going to produce anything. God said it, it, it does not matter that the word has been around you. What matters is is the condition of the soil, the condition of the heart. Amen? And so the question today is, what is the condition of our soil? What's the condition of our soil? He said, what is the condition of our heart? Basically, let's, let's make sure we understand. For if the soil is not right, the seed cannot grow. It doesn't matter how good the seed is. You put the seed in bad soil, it cannot grow. He said, for without the heart being willing, even the word of the most high God will have no effect. You can be king of Israel and still not get it. You believe that? All right, if you, let's go to 2 Chronicles. We're going to see where the king of Israel, the king of Israel, the Israel was, a, was the called out nation to show the world the goodness of God. This man is the king of it. You would think that the word of God would have changed him, would have, at least he was around it. The priests were around him. The word was around him. The sermons were around him. There was Wednesday night Bible study, Friday night deacons meeting. They had all those meetings, but it did not penetrate because their soil was not right. Second Chronicles 12. Anybody remember a king named Rehoboam? Rehoboam was the cause of the splitting of the tribe. Because he did something he was trained not to do. 
No, he didn't commit adultery. No, he didn't uh, 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 steal. He didn't kill. What Rehoboam did was not listen to the counsel of the elders. When his father died, King Solomon, uh, and, and, and things were, everybody was looking around like, okay, what are we going to do now? They asked Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam went to the elders and said, what should I do? You know, what, how can we make this thing keep moving? And they told him something. They said, humble yourself. Let the people know you're with them, basically. Then, what Rehoboam, he went over and talked to his boys. Hey, man, what, what do you think we should do? Man, you need to stomp on their heads. You need to make them, I mean, you tax them. And what did Rehoboam do? He listened to his contemporaries. And therefore, the ten split with the two. And Israel was never the same. But let's see what Rehoboam was in this particular account. In Rehoboam, in 2 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 13. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam had, was one of one and forty years old when he began to reign, and the, he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was what? Namah, an Amoritess. Now you know the Amorites. See, this is, this is a sin of Solomon. He married someone who worshipped another god. Amen? Now, verse 14, and he did what? How could he do evil if he was, first of all, the king of Israel, and, and, and Israel, as, he, as it says here, that the Lord put his name in this place. How could he do evil? How he could not get the point? Why? Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. If we don't prepare our heart, it doesn't matter what, sword, what seeds fall around you. The seed of God could be given to you every day. You could have your little devotionals out. You know, you got your daily devotionals. Uh, the scripture for today, if your soil is not right, it won't matter. That seed, just, if, I, if I took the best seed, let's we call it, uh, what food do you like? We don't grow Popeye's chicken. G give me a vegetable. Mm. Purple cabbage. Okay, we, we got a purple cabbage seed. The best, it's been, it's been uh, uh, kept pure for thousands of years. And we put them all on top of this platform. Will they grow? Because there's no soil. It's, it doesn't grow in this. So you want to know God's word doesn't grow in brick. It can't. It doesn't have the nutrient value to make the, 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 the seed do what it's supposed to do. Go to Proverbs 17. See, the heart is the issue. The heart is always the issue. In mankind, it's not the seed it's not the sower, it's the heart. Amen? People bounce around from church to church. They say, well, well, I'm not getting any word over here. Then you go to another church. I'm not getting any word over here. And you go to your third church, you might want to ask, is anybody a farmer? Because my soil needs tending. You can't miss the word everywhere and blame it on everywhere. They don't have the heart, it's like Rehoboam, to seek the Lord. Most people go to church looking for somebody to pet them, to entertain them, and to make them feel okay as they are. <laughs> A lot of places 
put a stamp of approval on evil just so you can come through the door. <sighs> Don't worry about it. Come on in here. It's all right. What? You, what, you smoke crack? Oh, well, you know, God's a, he's a, he's a, he's a blesser. He'll bless you. Well, and then 10 weeks later, still smoking crack. <laughs> oh, it's all right. You know, God's a blesser. Well, God says, look, I love those in those conditions, but God doesn't leave you there. Christ doesn't leave us there. Wherever we are, there's another place to go. And he said, but I need your heart to be right with me. Have a desire. What did we say, the Lord said a few weeks ago, be ready to be willing. That's the beginning of the soil. But if you're not ready to be willing, first of all, you have to be willing to understand that God is God and you are not. God's way is God's way and your way is not. And so when the, or, the, 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 our side is not the way to go. Does that make sense? When we decide to do something, it's not right. When he decides to do something, it is always right. But if Proverbs 17, Proverbs 17 and verse 20, he says something about a heart. He said, he that have a forward heart findeth no good, and he that have a perverse tongue what, falleth into mischief. Now, forward here, he who has a deceitful tongue, amen? A perverted uh, 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 heart, I'm sorry. A deceitful and perverted heart findeth no good. It can't understand God. Doesn't matter the outward. It's the inward. If the heart's not right, if the heart is perverted, if the heart is deceitful, if we practice deceit, if we are what's called self-willed, guess what happens? We can't do the will of God. That, didn't make, that makes sense. If you're self-willed, how can you do God's will? The deceitful heart will tell you, you uh, self is important. People worship God based on what God can do for them. And when God doesn't seem to be doing something for them, they turn their back on God because their soil is rotten. They got, they got maggots and, and leeches and poison in the soil. Nothing good can grow in it. We got to stop being stubborn against the will of God and say, God, do your will in me. We'll never be able to find the truth with a wicked heart. We'll never be able to live the truth with a wicked heart. The good seed can't flourish in polluted soil. Is there anything wrong with the seed? Is there anything wrong with the sower? It's wrong with the soil. What does our soil look like today? Have we checked on it? And Sister, Sister Lily was checking on the soil the other week and the plants. She had these little devices. You know, oh, that tells you that you need water. That tells you you need sun. That tells you you just throw it away. Uh, well, she, those things were being checked because the soil always needs tending. It's almost growing season, y'all. It's February 1st, and in this part of the country, you should be turning some dirt, not putting anything in yet. Don't put tomatoes out. But turn it because the soil has to be conditioned in order to provide the nutrients for the plants to grow. Our hearts have to be conditioned so the seed that falls in from God can grow a hundredfold. That's what the point of the parable was. Go to Romans 8. You know what Romans 8 said. 
See, the good seed cannot grow. It cannot flourish in polluted soil. In Romans 8, let's go to verse 5. Romans 8, 5. See, because this is a principle we can't get around. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Right? But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We're walking around with a carnal mind trying to understand the spiritual God. All that seed falling all over the place and we don't pick up on it. You ever wonder how that could be? We all went to the same Bible study. How come you didn't get this? The soil was not good. See, you can have Bible study after Bible study. Seed can be thrown everywhere. But if it falls on wicked soil, it can't germinate. Stop blaming the seed, stop blaming the, soil, the sower, and start looking at the soil. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now let's look at this word enmity. It's a very interesting word because it means actively opposed to. Think about that. You know, some people just say I'm neutral. You know, I ain't really with God. I ain't really against him, you know. The carnal mind is actively opposed, even hostile to God. And you think you're going to understand God's word. And you're actively opposed to it. How do you actively, if you actively oppose them, you're pushing some out of the door. And we want to know why we can't understand the parable. Because our carnal mind, our selfish mind, is actively opposed to anything that God would say. The only thing that God might say that might get in is something that serves self. That's why we pick those scriptures. Oh, we pick them, you know. Oh, what, what, what's, one, what's the favorite one? Um, oh, John 3, 16, gospel of the world. He gave, he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believe in him is not perish. I'm not going to perish. Oh, I got to have eternal life. <laughs> I, I, it's great. God is good. There should be no condemnation. Oh, no. I, I mean, I, nobody. And don't judge me. God is my judge. That should make you shake in your shoes. God is your judge. And the judge has given you the commandments. He's given you what you need to be and what you not need to be. But he said, I can't do anything with you until you give me your mind. Remember Philemon, it says, without thy mind, I will do nothing. And the mind and the heart are synonymous, right? You can't have a carnal mind and serve God, period, the end. I didn't say it. Romans said it. Amen? To be active is to be doing something. A carnal heart produce, produces hostile actions against God. We don't believe that. Our actions, the things that we do are designed to go against God when we have a carnal heart, when the soil is rotten. Amen? Are we all right so far? Now, to, 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 we have to ask God to protect us from those who have this type of heart. See, we, we, we're struggling ourselves. And, and when we're in the office praying, you know, we always pray before we come out here. We're praying. And the Spirit told me, we were praying, he said, the flock is tender. 
We need to be protected. You know, we, we're getting there. I mean, everything, you know, everything, don't, don't get nervous. But he, he described us as tender, meaning that we are likely to be diseased if a disease comes into the, re- into the, 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 the environment. We're tender. We have to ask God to protect us from those with this type of heart, this carnal heart people. See, for sometimes those actions will have the appearance of holiness. Sometimes the, 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 the actions, the people who are actively opposed, the people who are actively hostile toward God will have the appearance of holiness to attend a flock. Thank God for people who've been around the block. We won't go for that because the Spirit of God will open your eyes and say, that is not of me. But the tender flock will say, wow. And then, oh, let's follow. And, and all of a sudden, you're caught in a trap. First Samuel, if you would. We must be, we're not, we can't use our own understanding, y'all. We must use the mind of God. So be very prayerful about your own heart and then the people around you, what the condition of their heart is. If somebody's actively opposing God, why are you hanging out with them? Think about that. Jasmine, I came to your house and I just dogged Jesus. Just, man, Jesus, man, junk on that. Say, amen, okay. Well, Got it's time to go. Huh? See y'all later. Huh? We got things to do. It's time for you to go. Now, so, you know, have a good one. We're already surrounded by that in this environment. Everywhere you go, somebody cussing. Somebody's uh, uh, talking about Christ is nothing. Talking about their God. Talking about worshiping this. Talking about getting theirs. I'm going to get mine and get yours. You know, all those kind of... Antichrist statements are all around you. Why are you going to submerge yourself voluntarily with people who don't believe what you believe? Well, God told me to stop telling, stop putting that on God. Believe me, when God tells you something, you'll know. Believe me. It's convenient for people to say that. Well, God told me, and then if God told you to do that, then why next week you don't want to do it? Because next week is not serving you. So you, if you know, you think if you can stamp the name of God on your sin, it'll purify it. God does not purify sin. He purifies you from your sin. He didn't save you in your sin. He saves you from your sin. He's not going to save you to continue to go down the hostile path against him. got to use the mind of God, y'all. And the only way to have the mind of God is to get rid of this carnal mind. This mind that keeps us from seeing as God sees. Amen? 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. I'm sorry. 1 Samuel 16. See, there was, they were picking a king. (laughs) And even the the great Samuel began to use his own eyes, because he had read what a king ought to look like. Now, he knew he, God told him, okay, I need you to go, go down here to Jesse's house 
and we're going to get a king out of here. And so he had took, taken, he said, great, he, obedient, following God. But he had started to take his own mind of what a king ought to look like. He said, okay, the king of Israel needs to be tall. He needs to look like cut. He needs to look like he's got this figure. You know, so everybody will say, that's the king. <laughs> okay, now let's see how that worked out. <laughs> We're in 1 Samuel 16. The point is, we have to use the eyes of God and not our eyes, especially as we deal with those in the conditions of the heart, because the heart is in internal. We can't see it with our eyes, but with the spirit, it can see the heart. It sees the heart. It sees the mind. So when we're in the spirit, we're able to discern the good from the evil. When we're in the flesh or we're in the carnal mind, we think we see holiness when it's not holiness. Now let's see in 1 Samuel 16. We'll go to verse 6. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord is anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Now see, we got to get that clear. It's not for us to approve. It's God. He said, but he, they're such a nice person. He said, I refused him. Why are you arguing with me? Why are you trying to make something I refuse holy? But it looks that way. <laughs> they act that way. He said, I refuse that. I know what that is. So he refused him, right? Didn't say he was a terrible, awful person was going to die tomorrow. He just said, that's not the one I'm picking. He said, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look on out his countenance. He said, I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on what? The outward appearance. But what does the Lord look at? But the Lord looketh on the heart. He looks at the soil. Is this soil going to take my seed? Will my seed grow in this heart? Will he obey my word? Eliab was not going to be that. Why? Because he looked like he thought he was king. Be careful when you think you somebody. Before you somebody. No, I, I fit the mold. <laughs> I know I'm going to be next. You're going to be like that commercial that later got passed over promotion. God says, you ain't ready. Your soil's not right. You might have every other qualification, but your soil's not right. When he was building the, the, the wilderness sanctuary, he said, look, this guy, this guy, and this guy, because I put my spirit in their heart. See, a lot of people had, had they, they were carpenters, they were uh, 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 metal benders, they, they, they had the skill in the physical, but the, that wasn't enough. He said, I need somebody who's got the soil is correct, because I'm going to put a seed in them, and I want them to follow what I tell them to do. When you're making something holy, you can't have your own ideas, because your own ideas are not holy. So when you say you want to be a minister of the Most High, you got to leave your ideas at the door. You don't know what most high is. We don't know what the structure is. We don't know the system of God. So you just stop. Don't come. You can, we and I, you and I can only bring soil. And he has to make the soil right. We got to be willing for him to do that. See, see, the person might look like our, de our definition of what is holy. And 
Nearing is our problem. Unholy going to define holy. Because we'll set up a bunch of rules for holiness. Won't we? Okay. All right. Sister, if you holy, you're going to look like this. Your wardrobe is going to be this. Uh, brother, if you holy, your diet is going to look like this. I know that's holy. Therefore, if I see that, I automatically say and declare that is holiness. They might use the right words. They might have a knowledge that you don't have concerning godly things. Amen? They might dress or eat like you define holiness, but in the heart, if the heart is carnal, it don't matter. We understand? It's always, the carnal mind is always actively opposing God, even though you can't see it. So who is the judge of the heart but God? So don't we need to be kind of close to God and ask him to reveal to us what we're looking at? Instead of coming up with our own concepts and ideas of what's right and wrong, we, he didn't leave right and wrong to us. Society says, I have my truth. You got your truth. That's not truth then. That's an opinion. And I agree, everybody got an opinion. Everybody got a perspective, I understand that. And I don't have to agree with you, but I will respect the fact you got your perspective. But I. I demand you not try to put that on me. And don't call me a your enemy because I don't like what you do. Or I'm not going to. See, that's what the side is now. We, you're automatically a person's enemy when you don't agree with them. Yeah. That's scripture. Yeah. If I tell you the truth, why am I your enemy? Think about that. Have I be, that's a, in Galatians, have I become your enemy because I have told you the truth? That's kind of dumb. Unless the carnal mind who is actively opposing God is the one you're talking to. Sometimes we were those people, weren't we? Think about it. You remember then, right? Yesterday afternoon, about four. We were actively opposing the will of God. And then people say, but y'all, you always talking about uh, obedience and doing this, and, and, and you don't think we're under grace? Let me tell you something. It ain't nothing but grace. <laughs> we, are, uh, we believe in grace, y'all. Because at 4 o'clock yesterday, I might have been actively opposing the, the God of the heavens, and I'm still here. And he says, come on, son, come on, little, come on, come on. I love him because he points it out to me. I pray often. I said, Lord, point the devil out in me so I can confess and repent. I, I, I'm, I'm sick of carrying this clown around with me. No rent, no gas money, nothing. He's just riding on me, and I want to know what it is. Now, when you pray that, you better be ready because <laughs> y'all think y'all just got this little, little car, this little trunk, you know. I got a deuce and a quarter. Y'all remember what that Y'all don't remember what that You remember what a deuce and a quarter was. It's big as this room. <laughs> You can put 14 people. You can go to Chicago with 14 people in this car. Put your babies in the back, in the window. <laughs> uh, it was a land yacht, man. You'd be rolling, boom, boom. 
Thank God gas was 38 cents a gallon. It was $20 backing out the driveway. But that's me and all the things that had attached to me over my life, the sins, the habits, the understandings, the misunderstandings is a better term. And I ask God to point these things out because I need my soil right for him. And if anything is contaminating my soil, I get mad and say, Lord, let's go. Let's fight this thing. When you're growing tomato plants and those little worms get on it, all that work you've done, and these worms are eating holes in your tomatoes. You get mad. And you go do something about it. You don't sit there and cuss the worms out. <laughs> Why you want my plant? <laughs> what do you do? You do something about it. You go find something that works. You say, Lord, the devil's in my garden. And, and, don't, and don't sit over there in your garden saying, the devil's in my garden. Get the devil out Say, Lord, what should we do? He said, go get some seven dust. Sprinkle it on that. Go get some cayenne. They can't stand that. You ever, it, it's fun. To, it's not fun. But when you put a little cayenne in your garden on the ground, them bugs, they don't bother you no more. The rabbits, they don't bother you no more. <laughs> I tell you what, if you, you want to know what a rabbit feels like in your garden when you put cayenne in it, sniff you some cayenne pepper. See what happens. <laughs> but you got to actively do something. You just can't, oh, it's just, you got to do something. And we as a people need to be actively doing something against the enemy. And the first thing is get your soil right. The second thing is, is saying, Lord, get me away from polluted soil. If you want the seed to take, if you want the word of God to flourish in your life, if you want to practice, or when you say, if you want to produce good fruit, the heart, the mind, and the desire have to be pure. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. God promised us something. So you gotta be, it's got to be pure, y'all. And you can't make it pure. I can't make it pure. Why? Because sin can't clean sin. But oh, let him do this. Because he, you can't get around the parable. It ain't going to grow unless the soil's right. How long you been in church? All your life. And you can still see some bad soil in you. I've seen people grow up in church and they're 70 years old. Bad soil. Seed just everywhere dying. Look over here, there's a whole rotten pile of seed because it's been sitting there so long and it's not, it hasn't been germinated because the soil ain't right. Ask yourself, what's the condition of your soil? We've got to ask that question, if you dare ask that question, because some people won't ask that question. Well, I know my soul right. Mm, me, and the, me and the Lord like this. Hadn't done a thing God wanted you to do. And if you don't, well, we talked about this morning, if you don't actively pursue and actively obey, your faith will not grow. Your connection will not grow. He said, faith without works is dead. Yes, everybody knows I'm God. And show me thy faith by thy works. No, I'll show you my faith by my works. 
actively, instead of actively opposing, actively participate in the will of God. Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 26, he makes this promise to us all. He said, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away, he called, he called it the stony heart. You see, <laughs> did you catch that? What kind of ground was the bad ground? The stony. So the Holy Ghost was talking about stone here, and he was talking about stone in the New Testament. It's the same condition. He said, I've got to take away that stony heart because that seed it cannot germinate. So here he said, I'm going to take away your stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk where? In my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, what, what, a, what a cultivated soil will do, it'll grow. It'll be active. It'll produce. But a stony heart is not producing anything. And in this world, in this way, we have to start producing, y'all. See, there's no, there's no understanding of righteousness by wickedness. <laughs> Does that make sense? You can't understand righteousness by using wickedness. All the seed in the world will be of no value to us if our soil isn't right. All the Bible studies, all the conferences, all the camp meetings, all the health lectures, all the sermons will not produce righteousness from a stony, carnal heart. You can be there. You cannot miss a conference. You will be at every a Bible study. You'll be at every health seminar. You'll be all there. You'll be working there. But if the heart is stoned, you just employ it. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't produce the fruit of righteousness because it can't nourish righteous seed. When you grow things this summer, this, this spring and summer, study the soil. Get your soil tested. Why? Because some things only grow in certain types of soil, y'all. I learned that lesson. I had to alkaline the dirt because what I was trying to grow needed an alkaline, a pH of like 6.9 to 7 to 7.1. I'm trying to grow plants that need 7.1 and 6.5 soil. You're just going to get some burnt up roots. That's all you're going to get. Take that as an example. Are you going to get the alkaline word of God? The only way to let it grow is have an alkaline soil. That's your health tip, okay? Your farming tip for the day. You got to know it. You got to ask God to make this soil, make this heart, like he promised here. He said, make this thing in me a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. Because I keep building stones here and then want to blame you while I can't understand your truth. I'm going to blame you while nothing happens for me. I'm going to blame you because I can't learn anything. It's not God's problem. It's your problem. Go to 1 Chronicles. See, David described the condition that must be present in the heart. He was talking to Solomon. He said, look, Solomon, you're about to be king, dude. Let me, let me, let me talk to you for just a second. And in 1 Chronicles, Chapter 28. It's this heart business, y'all. It's real. 
I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you talk. I don't care how low your, your, your dress is. I don't care how big your suits are. I don't care how, how, how wonderful your, your hairdressing looks. I don't care that you diet. You just, all you eat is seeds and sprouts. I only drink pure water from the Everglades. I don't care. What's your heart? What's your heart? Because if the heart ain't right, it ain't going to last long. It's not going to last long. You ever seen somebody so holy that they disappear? <laughs> they get so holy and all of a sudden they just fall off. Because it wasn't real. It had no soil to grow. You can't, keep, you, you can't cook, keep putting paint on an outhouse and act like it's not an outhouse. Y'all know what the outhouse is? Okay. An old reference, sorry. <laughs> Can't put perfume on a pig. How about that one? And act like it ain't a pig. It smells, that smell, it's a pig. Because <laughs> you didn't change the essence of the animal. No matter what you do, the essence of the heart is not changed. It's still what it is. Amen? Amen. First Chronicles, Solomon. David was talking to Solomon in, in, in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9 says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of my father, and serve him with a what? A perfect heart and with a willing mind. These two things are desperately important for your progress with knowing God. A perfect heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth, what? All hearts. See, that's why we said, ask God to help you see like he sees. Because he's searching the heart of the individuals. He's searching your heart. You know all that, that saying we got? God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. He searches it. And he's trying to give you a new one. But you keep excusing your sin away. We can't search our hearts. We busy. We busy being self-righteous. God understands. God knows, my, God knows your heart. Why don't you know it? He's trying to tell you what it is. It's desperately wicked. And I can't grow in that one. You want me to grow? Give me, let me give you this new heart. It's this good fertilized soil. But he said, look, he was telling me a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. So yes, the Lord does know your heart, but you misuse that principle to excuse your sin away. God knows I meant good. I just shot him. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous to you, don't it? Is it any different from what we do? He said, he will be... Uh, I'm sorry. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But oh, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off. How long? Whew. Would you want that declaration on your head? I'm casting you off forever. Why? Because you forsook me. When to forsake something means you had an opportunity to have it. You are under, you know what grace is? Yeah, that. grace is the opportunity he gives us to follow him. 
It's not a license to sin. It's not an excuse to sin. I'm under grace. I ain't perfect. Ain't nobody. All them lies that you've been hearing all your life. See, we, we don't think we can be perfect. Why? Because we define perfect. Who is perfect but Christ? Who defines perfection? Christ. He called Job a perfect and upright man. And we know Job has some issues. But God claimed him. He said, I called him that. Fight me. What are you going to do? He told you to be perfect in his eyes. He commanded, be ye perfect for I am perfect. Stop trying to define perfection with a carnal mind. Because what, what we think perfection is is this. You never make a mistake. You never do anything of a carnal nature. Who would, who, who would survive? Who? Only Christ. And Christ said, I came down here so you could do this. I came down here so I could cover you because you can't do it. But I didn't come down here so you can continue to do it. You're talking about abusing grace? Christ said, I didn't hang on that cross so you can continue to sin. What's wrong with you? He said, I came down here so you could stop. Because my father's law does not change. The wages of sin is death. Sin is the transgression of God's law. He said, that's not going to change. I came so you can stop sinning. He saved me from my sins. Yes, he did. Stop sinning. Hang Christ up there every day. Christ came so we could stop. We needed forgiveness, didn't we? We need forgiveness all the time. His sacrifice paid that price. But he didn't pay the price so you can continue to sin. Your heart must be changed. Carnal minds will always sin and justify their actions. But a spiritual mind, the spirit of Christ, will realize the need for Christ. And the need for grace. The need for favor. The need for mercy. It will recognize that and it will start to go toward him. We must be very prayerful that our hearts do not forsake God. Especially y'all. You've heard about him. You've tried him. He's come through for you. Why forsake him now? Just because he's asking more. Do you know when God asks you more, he's so excited for you? He's happy. Oh, they pass the first test. Let's, I want to give him more because more means you're coming closer. More becomes you becoming more like me. He's so happy to give you more because, oh, good, we're at this point now. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And what do we do? Well, let me stop using we because some of y'all get offended. Let's put it in the abstract. What people do, how about that? What people do is, why, why putting burdens on me? Why God treat me like this? Why all these trials and tribulations? And all heaven's excited because you're going through it, because it's bringing you closer. Come on, come on, man, you can do this, you can do this. I wouldn't put you in this thing if I knew you couldn't do it, because I know your soil is getting ready, and you believe in me. You read this morning, stop whining. Stop complaining. If you got, you're going through something, God says, come on, come on, come closer, come closer. You believe that? 
We're going to stop whining about it? Why am I suffering? And you know what? It's not always your fault. Okay? Remember we talk about tri your tribulations might be for somebody else. Job's tribulation was for us. So we could look back and see how to get through. What's old so how I got over? Other people go through things for us. Your grandparents went through things for you. So if we have to go through for the betterment of the whole, betterment of others, go through with cheerfulness in your heart. You had to suffer this? Brother asked me last night, he said, you think that you know, my story is how we're going to go find the faith in God like you got? No. But I had to go through this so you all could be here today. I didn't know the enormity of the sacrifices my wife and family made. But you know what? It's worth it. While you're going through it, you just sing about it. You just pray about it. You say, thank you, Lord. Yeah, we're we rolling up pennies. Y'all don't do that no more, do you? Because y'all don't even deal with cash. <laughs> rolling up quarters, y'all. That's right. You go to Kroger and dump it in there. Going to the bank. I, I need... I need five penny wrappers. I need three dime wrappers. I need, y'all don't know about that. But isn't it wonderful? Went through that willingly. Laid up in the middle of the night saying, Lord, thy will be done. Aren't you happy? Y'all sitting in this building today. So don't whine about what you have to go through. Be happy that God's taking you through for the betterment of somebody else. That's when you know your soil is getting right. Amen? When the heart is selfish, though, we get further and further away from it. Because God is not a selfish God. You want to separate yourself from God, be selfish. What's selfish? Selfish is what? Me. Me first. Everything else else second. See, that's what God talks about tithing. He said, don't just give me a tenth. Give me the first. Y'all can't, I mean, people can't give God the first. Why? Caesar get the first. You get your check. Did Caesar get his? It didn't even hit your bank account, did it? Caesar get his. That's why we say you, you tithe on the, if you tithe on the gross, you can give God his first. You tithe on the net, that means Caesar got God's cut. Give him the first. That's why he said in the morning, talk to me. Why? It's the first. Does he, does, does he deserve the first? Yeah. Isn't he a great God? Yeah. And we struggling. I don't know, Lord. I'll get to you. How many of y'all have, have got to about four in the afternoon and forgot, man, I ain't prayed today. Or, or I forgot to study today. I didn't even open the word today. And then you try to find it on the radio. You know. Or let me put, let me put, a, let me put an app in. Four o'clock in the afternoon and you hadn't talked to God yet? You talking about grace. All those cars flying all over the place. All that Ebola virus flying in the air. All oh, that, that, that uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich you ate. 
give God his. And if uh, you have a heart that will help and not a heart that is selfish, God can be your savior. But if your heart is not right, you will never understand the way of God. The Bible will become one big parable to you. There was one day the Bible was a parable to me. I didn't understand none of it. I just read it because I was supposed to. Now it makes a whole lot of sense. You brothers are starting to see some things you've never seen before. And it's starting to make a lot of sense now. Because the, he doesn't want it to be a parable for you. Those who are trying to get right with God. He will open, 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 open to you. The parable said, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with abundance. That's what we're looking for. So ask God. You and God get together and get your pH meter out and say, put it in my heart, Lord. What's the condition of my heart? What's the condition of my soil? And God is an honest God. And one thing about our father, he won't tell you everything at once. Because it would just overwhelm you and you would just, ain't no hope. Isn't that right, Antonio? He will give you what you can take. And if he's giving you what, don't, don't rush him. Don't rush him. He'll give you what you can take. And, what, and, if he, and know this, if he gives you that, that means you got some time he's going to, He's going to help you with the other things, too. He'll keep exposing. Now, we, we talked about this one of those Bible studies. Don't resist him. When the master farmer comes in and tries to cultivate the soil, don't resist him. Don't stand out there and say, you sure you know what you're doing? I don't know. You're going to run the Holy Spirit off. When he comes in, whatever he has, and a lot of times, y'all, what he brings is something we think is the exact opposite of the thing we need. And we will argue with God. Well, God, you don't understand. I don't really need that. Proof again of the carnal mind. So when he comes, and he promised he would come, he said, I would never withhold the Holy Ghost for those who ask me. Now, if your heart, let's get your heart together first. I got to give you a heart, because that heart you got now, it, 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 it needs a transplant. It, it's gone. Uh, I'm going to give you a heart. Now, when I give you a heart, let's keep the soil together. Let's work this soil. Let's go ahead and do the will of God, because the soil gets richer and richer and richer. Have you, if you know anything about farming, when at the end of the season, turn that stuff over. The compost, the, the food that produced the watermelons, the vine that produced the watermelons, at the end of the year, put that rind back in. Let it break down. Let it nurture. See, all, it keeps moving. See, agriculture will help you understand God. That's why Satan wants you to live in these boxes 20 stories high. He don't want you to know anything about the dirt. He don't want you to know anything about growing anything. But I want you all to get him this, this, this year. If you live in an apartment, I want you to get it. I want you to get you a pot. I want to get you a plant. I want, you got a window. Everybody need a window in their house. If you ain't got a window, move. <laughs> because that's called a prison. 
They started doing that in the early 70s. They started making high schools with no windows. They were institutions. They started becoming schools. They became institutions. And the, they studied the character of the children changed because they were in a non-window institution. Just like if they were getting ready for you to make the transition to federal prison. So anyway, everybody got a window where they live? Get a plan. Ask the Lord what plan to get. And watch what happens. You'll learn so much about that, about God with that soil. That soil will go bad on you. You got to know what to do. That plant will start growing like this. You got to know what to do. Anybody ever grown anything? You, you have to go in and you got to, in, in a tomato land, you got to pluck the, the, the suckers out. Anybody know what a sucker is? Oh, y'all going to have a good summer. It, it's a sucker is simply this, and we're going to close. When you have a tomato plant, it grows with branches, right? You don't want a whole ton of branches because the plant will just be feeding leaves instead of trying to grow plant, try to grow uh, fruit. So when you have these two branches like this, there's a little one tries to come up like this. That's called a sucker because it's sucking all the nutrients. It's going to be a something that's going to suck the nutrients out. Just pinch him off. So now you know how to do that. I don't know anything, okay, compared to the people I know. But get the soil together. Ask God to get the soil in your heart. Obey the command of the farmer. Don't resist it. Don't actively oppose God by you questioning him every time he asks you to do something. Anybody have a child like that? Why? What's the, what's the standard answer in the community that we were from? Because I said so. <laughs> and don't ask me again. Our house, we didn't say that. You just did it. Because you breathed. Don't. And you know how you do You turn around. <laughs> That's as far as you got to. <laughs> the long arm of the law. <laughs> and, and my wife tells me, you're going to need that breath one day. <laughs> so we're going to be all right. We understand that we can't understand the word. We can't receive the seed without the soil being prepared to receive the seed. And this because it looks like a good soil. You got to test that soil. And that's where your trials come in. It tests the soil. And so when that soil is cultivated, when that so soil is nurtured, then that soil can take that word of God and it can increase. And then you can have what's called a hundredfold. You can, start you can start helping others farm. You can start helping others plant. You can help other people receive the seed. Amen? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? So are you excited about the springtime coming? This is the springtime of your life now because the soil's being turned over. And so let God put that soil in you and put that seed in you. And you can't have the carnal mind. So just say, Lord, point out all the carnality that's in me. Because I know you, God. If I pray, you'll take it from me. Y'all believe that? And when he takes it, stop snatching it back. Let's have a word of prayer.